Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. And today we are going to do something a little bit fun, a little bit different. Um, Megan and I are going to interview each other, and we have not let each other preview the questions that we're going to ask. Um, this it, Megan knows that I don't like surprises, so I, I'm, um, I'm uh, going into this reluctantly, shall we say. <laughs> but it was my, sorry it was my idea but it was my it was idea. your idea <laughs> okay um so this was kind of brought about by the fact that we know we have a lot of brand new listeners we know from looking at our downloads numbers and from the number of you who reach out and say hey I'm a new listener um and a lot of our new listeners go back and into the archives and listen sometimes to every single show but we're now 85 episodes in so I don't blame anybody if they don't yeah, want wow. quite that much Megan and Sarah in their ears to and also and also this is fun for us because though we've known each other for five years and we talk every week sometimes this is all we really except talking about business yeah. sometimes this is the one time we sit down and talk every week um, about anything personal so there's a lot we don't know about each other yeah so we thought this would be a fun way for yeah. you guys to I don't know find out some things about us you may not have known um, and especially if you are no uh, are newer get to know us a little bit more um, so we both planned five questions to ask each other and they're kind of all over the map I think um, so Megan is yep. gonna go first I'm gonna go first okay so tell me, <laughs> when you were a kid, up to, up to the age of 18, but I'm thinking more like elementary, middle school age, okay. just so you know, Sarah, what is the, the thing you would have been most likely to get in trouble for? Oh, oh, I can tell you exactly. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> I am the oldest of three, and I have a brother who's two years younger than me, and my sister is eight and a half years younger, so quite a bit younger. Um, and the thing I would have gotten most in trouble for would be, 
I don't know. I guess you would say sass or disrespect Ooh. to everyone in my sass. family. Yes. Yeah, well, maybe sass makes it sound like sassier than I probably was. But I was, did your mom say things like, don't you sass me? She did me. not did say, say don't you sass me, but she would have said, do not talk to me like that or do not talk to your okay. siblings like that. You know, I was and am kind of a tightly wound person and I got pissed off easily. And I had a brother who was kind of rowdy and wild. And so when we were really little, now I'm thinking like ages six and four, um, he was in my business and my, I, at age six, my business was probably like sitting still quietly and drawing, you know, I was, I was like that yeah. kid and he, so we fought. So we would, I would have gotten in trouble for fighting, but then as I got older, it would have been probably just plain being mean with my words, being impatient and really you know, not very nice to my siblings or talking mm -hmm. back or being disrespectful to my parents, um, door slamming, you know, like I remember not, you know, we weren't supposed to slam doors and just being that mad that you got to mm -hmm. slam a door. So I wasn't a big rebel even into like later teenage years. Um, but I do think I was not very nice to my family a lot of the time, which is kind of sad. I'm sorry, family. But it's kind of typical yeah. for old. I think it was, yeah, and, I was, you know. I, I kind of had a fixed idea of how I wanted things to be, which is funny because I have a child like that now who's not the oldest, but the middle, but then being the oldest and having younger siblings and um, yeah, general, general impatience and rudeness, I would say to my family. And I do remember either being, you know, needing to like go sit somewhere else or, yeah. you know, later on just having lots of talks about <laughs> why that wasn't okay, you know, over and over again. Right. I don't feel like, I don't feel like it was particularly tied to like teenage years or this or that. I think I was always just sort of a little grumpy with my family. My family would probably agree. Huh. Yeah. So I don't know if you get in trouble. I want to answer for, for myself. Yeah, okay. Answer for yourself. <laughs> Can I answer for yeah. myself? Okay. I think I would have gotten in trouble for um, daydreaming oh. and like not paying attention. Oh. So I remember very clearly like my mom saying, are you even listening to me? And I'd be standing there nodding and going, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then I would walk away and be like, I have no idea what she just said. None whatsoever. So that was a recurring theme for me. Like not daydreaming is like, not like daydreaming is bad, but I was so much in a fog all the time thinking about anything besides what was being said to me right. or what was in front of me that, and I just think it's kind of funny because that's probably a little bit indicative of who I am still. I've just learned how to deal with yeah. it. But I remember, and I have that conversation with my kids, certain yeah. kids of mine now where I'm like giving them instructions and I'll say, okay, so what did I just say? Yeah. And there's just this blank look. <laughs> They have no idea. They were never listening. So that's really that funny. was it for me. That's really funny. Okay. Well, my first, but you're not, but you, but you aren't grumpy nowadays. So you grew up. I of did it. grow out of it. Yeah, I did grow up. I'm grumpy with my kids sometimes, but I, I have evolved. Um, okay. So my question for you is also as a kid related. And I think cause my birthday's coming up in about a month and I really like birthdays. So you and I have talked a lot about our kids' birthdays, but what I want to know is, do you have a favorite did you have a favorite birthday growing up? Like a year where you can remember turning that number and being like, this is the greatest birthday ever, either because that birthday really was, or just because you remember turning that age and thinking it was the best. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember turning eight and really liking that year, but I don't remember anything about my birthday party. My most memorable birthday party was the the lap, my, I remember my mom saying, I knew this was a bad idea. <laughs> this is never happening again. <laughs> and it was when I turned, 
I want to say 12. I knew I was definitely like middle school okay. aged. Um, and she let me have a sleepover with like seven girls. And we all, we had like a uh, screen in front porch. Okay. And my, I have a summer birthday. So we all slept on the front porch. And every, like by the end of the night, I think everybody had cried at least oh, once. Yeah. Like there were girls like clicking up and shunning other girls. And I was kind of bewildered by it because I was always like a little young um, for my friends. I, I guess I mean like I was always a little immature socially or like kind of trying to keep up. And I didn't know what was going on. Like I didn't understand why no one was getting along. And I was like, why is, you know, why is everyone crying? And this is my birthday. Can't we just all have fun? But it actually was a lot of fun yeah. as well. Like that's kind of the funny thing about girl birthday parties and that or slumber parties or get togethers yeah. with like lots of girls. It can be like the worst of times and the best of yeah. times all up in the same night. Yes. So yes, I remember it as being overall a good time and pretty positive. My mom was <laughs> utterly disgusted with us <laughs> and was just like, I knew it was a bad idea. I'm never getting that many, you know, hormonal adolescent girls under one roof again. So anyway, that's, that was my most memorable birthday. That's so funny. Um, I'll, I, yeah, I don't know if I have an answer for myself. I remember turning 16 felt really adult and just, I, like, I think the stars aligned. I got my braces off like two weeks before I turned 16 I got my driver's license right away and had a car that I was able to drive. It just felt like, like it felt like the cliche of turning 16. Honestly, I had like my first high school boyfriend around that time. It just felt like I went from being like a braces junior high kid to like a legit 16. And it just, it really felt like it lined up on my birthday or right around my birthday. So that's my, and then, yeah, I I like, I just like my birthday in general. Um, okay. (laughs) Your turn. So Sarah, I have another question for you and knowing you as I do, I think you're going to be able to tell me this very accurately <laughs> unless it doesn't exist. Oh, okay. So I want you to describe to me your very worst report card. Oh. And any circumstances surrounding it. Um okay, I will describe, but it's in college, is that okay? That's okay. okay. Yeah. Um and that's not that Okay, no, I'll describe a high school experience. It's a little less than a rep- it's not quite a report card though. Okay. I'm going to describe That's the college okay. one. You can, you can take some liberties with this okay. question. Okay. Liberties. Okay. So in high school, I had an AP English teacher that I loved very, very much. And I was also the TA for him for, um, by loved him, I don't mean anything inappropriate. Like just truly one of those teachers. I just realized it sounded <laughs> really enthusiastic. <laughs> no, he was a, an amazing teacher. And I had him my junior year for English Lit and then my senior year for AP English. And then when I was in his AP English class, I also was a TA for him for one of his um, younger classes. So I would sit and I would help grade papers and do whatever else. And so he thought the world of me. I mean, I was good in English. I was like a really good kid. I was really helpful to him. So he had a very high opinion of me. And um, I was really kind of overextended that senior year. I was doing a lot. I was managing our high school choir and madrigals groups. Um, So I had a lot of like that was the only group I was ever involved in. So I had a lot of duties for that. Um, and our high school was an open campus. You could leave for lunch. You could leave if you had an open period. And people really did kind of take advantage of that. I'm sure it's not that way anymore. But it almost felt more like, I almost felt like I was in college. Like I kind of came and went. I had this TA position first period. And I basically started to kind of abuse my power with this particular teacher and Ooh. in my class. And I, I would, sh- this sounds like an episode of Saved by yeah, the Bell. Jesse Spano take, <laughs> I know which episode yes. you're talking about. Yeah. I was the pretty <laughs> two shoes. So this is, you can make fun of me for if this is, but I, um, 
I got called out for it. Like I started like, I, well, I started not showing up or not doing my TA work when I was in, when I was in the TA period, because I was so behind in my regular classes. So I would use that as basically my own study hall and he'd kind of allow it and, you know, look the other way. But then we had a group project where, um, I think it was Shakespeare or something for the English class I was in with him where we had to memorize a scene and I completely blew off my, I had this girl who was like another really good student and I completely blew her off. We didn't practice. I didn't know my lines. And I was like, I was in the weeds. Like, you know, when you're waiting tables and you're like, something, something's going to fall because I'm like keeping right. So long story short, I got, he called me out and he pulled me aside and was like, this is, this is not acceptable. And I, I think what I had done is not show up on the day that I was supposed to do the scene. And I had let my little group down and I had made some excuse and he saw right through it. And so I got pulled aside. I got, I'm pretty sure a zero or something on that particular assignment. And it was basically just being called out on my, I had this track record of being a really good student. And I had like the highest esteem from this teacher that I loved. And I was basically just called out and been like, yeah, you can't just because you've done all these things. This does not work. So it was a good, and that was a good learning experience. Yeah. I would say, I mean, I always attached so much more significance to what my teachers thought of me than to my grades. So I never minded getting less than an A in a class where I didn't respect the teacher. In fact, I, I purposely, there were some classes in high school. I purposely kind of phoned in because I didn't think the class was worth it. And I didn't respect the teacher, but when a teacher I respect, and this is still true of bosses and other people, I, it's way less about like the number or the status or the achievement or the grade than it is about how I'm perceived. And that's my particular like form of people pleaserness. Um, so So the A's were not as important to me as having the respect of teachers that I really looked up to. And that was one of them. So yeah, it was a learning experience because it was like, it was being directly called out for my BS. And you know, when you get good grades pretty easily, you can, you can phone it in and that's what I'd been doing for a lot of the time. And so, yeah, so just getting called, called on my BS. So that's not even a report card, but it is, yeah, it is a memorable. It's an academic experience that's comparable. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals. And Katie loved the herb crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. So mine is kind of terrible. Okay. (laughs) Because of the story behind it. So I had a, I was never like an awesome high school student, but I had a particularly lackluster senior year. I feel like I hit like a serious case of senioritis. I was just done. And by that point, I knew my GPA wasn't that great. And I just was like, whatever, I got, I just got to graduate and get out of here. Um, and my, my first, and I think it was second semester, the first report card I got was really bad. And here I am like staring down graduation. I know I'm going to graduate yeah. and that's not that bad, but I just didn't want to give it to my parents. And it's so funny because none of my kids could get away with this. I don't think kids these days could get away with this at all. Yeah. But in those days, it's like parents weren't really communicating with the teachers, at least in our town, like directly yeah. kind of, you know, I think the report cards came in the mail yeah, or did. maybe the kids brought them home. So I just couldn't bring myself to give it to my parents. So I just held on to it. And then it was like weeks went by <laughs> and then now it's a thing, right? Like I can't give them a report card. And it's practically time for the other report card to come right. out. And somehow they didn't notice it was missing. So that became this thing like, what do I do now? Right. Um, I just am hanging on to this terrible report card. And at some point, I'm going to have to give it to them. And if I wait and don't give it to them, they're going to still see those grades when they get the next right. one. <laughs> you know. So I don't remember exactly what happened when I finally had to give that to them. I, don't, I do know that I was grounded for a, quite a long time. <laughs> but I think the, the lesson I learned... For the grades, I don't. Yeah. I still don't think they ever figured out how long I held on to it. Um, I think the lesson I learned from that is that it does it like when you're dreading something, just get it over yes. with because it's never better. Yes. It's never better to like conquer down and wait till the next day. And that was a really important lesson. Yeah. Like don't avoid things or put them off because it just makes it it's, so much worse. Especially and if you've done, also, if it's like, yeah. if you're, if it's something you've done, cause you're only going to sit in your right. own guilt longer, which is the worst place to be. No matter the external consequences, it's almost always worse to just sit with it with yourself. Yep. That's really funny. The other lesson I learned is to pay attention in trig. Yeah. (laughs) In trigonometry. Hopefully that is a lesson you won't have to apply (laughs) ever in the I hope I hope I never have to I hope I never have to apply that lesson. That's really funny. All right, your turn. Okay, my turn. Okay. So I want to hear about learning to drive for you. And also the related question is, which is actually the first question I thought of, but now I want to hear how you learned to drive when it, whenever that was. And also, are you a good driver now or what kind of driver are you now? Okay. That's a great question. Okay. So I learned to drive much the way I don't, kids did those days. I, I think our gym teacher <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> taught drivers that on the side. It's always the yeah. gym teacher, right? So, um, I don't really rem- The only thing I really remember about driver's ed is parallel parking. Okay. I remember that one very Now, were you like, in the intensely. car driver's ed 
with with your high school like that was part of your high school or just the written book stuff no it was all at the high school okay we did the driving yeah okay ours so was, you would drive ours with was people just, you already knew ours was paper the paper class like studying the rules of the road and and studying for the written test was offered at our high school but not the in-car driving so anyway oh yeah it was all all-inclusive and it was free okay it was free too i will also say um not anymore but <clears throat> so um I I don't remember a whole lot about it besides that. I within a year of having gotten my license, um, which I got at seventeen because though it was free, they only offered it once a summer. And the summer of that I was fifteen, our family went to Disney oh. World, or Disney World. <laughs> so you were a whole so year. So I missed it, and there wasn't. Yeah, I had to wait a whole year, and there really wasn't any way to make it up. Like you know, there wasn't another option right. really in our town, so I just waited. It wasn't actually a big deal because most of my friends drove, and I just rode along with yeah. them. But um, so. Here I am. I, I'm 17 years old, and I got like six tickets my first. Something ridiculous. <laughs> I got pulled over so many times, but it was always for kind of silly stuff yeah. like going 30 and a 25. And you know, the cops were really bored. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds. But Brian, just, yeah. Brian grew up in a small town with bored <laughs> cops too. He's got yeah. a lot of stories. Yes, and they would see teenagers, and it's like if you were a teenager, you were you were really a target. Yeah. So um, I got pulled over kind of a lot in that first year. And I mean, I shouldn't even say this. I'm like knocking all of the wood right now. But I now have my driving my driving record is totally clean, like completely clean. I think I got pulled over for having a headlight out a few years ago. But all I had to do was go down and get it, you know, go down to the police station and show them that I had a new one. And they didn't. It wasn't like a ticket. It was like a citation that they then took away. Or right, I don't know. Right. It didn't end up counting for anything. Um, I have not had a moving violation. I got in an accident about. 15 years ago and that was a case where I was like taking a left um at a green light mm-hmm. and the sun was in my eyes and I just didn't see yeah. this car like just totally didn't see it uh so I did get a ticket for that but like other than that I think that's my only moving violation I think I'm a very good driver I think sometimes I drive too fast okay like on the highway um I lose track of how fast I'm going but overall um I think I'm really good at signaling yeah. and I'm very I'm a cautious driver yeah. I don't really like like it makes it makes me very nervous to be in a car with people who are like whipping all over yeah. the place, and I I just really don't do that. I kind of stick in my lane and go. What yeah. about you? Um, I am a I think I'm a good road driver. I'm similar. I don't have a lot of. I got in an accident about five years ago that was not my fault. I've been rear-ended a couple of times, but this one was a little bit more was a little more significant than a rear-ending, and it was it was ruled not my fault. Luckily, on the scene. Um, and it was someone else making a left turn who didn't see me. So, um, no, I'm the same. I don't have, but what I'm not good at that I will confess is I'm really terrible in parking lots. Like luckily I go slow and I'm very cautious. So I, okay, yes, I am. Too. I'm not going to take anybody out, but I'm spatially, really spatially challenged. Um, so parking cars, I have scraped up against pillars. I've scraped up against other cars. I've backed into cars like, and it's all been relatively minor and things that either I've been able to like pay a few hundred bucks or do insurance, but I've done that more than I would like to admit all the way from like, right. As soon as I got my license, I remember the first time I did it was in a movie theater parking lot. And there was, you know, a big pillar. Cause it's like an underground parking garage. And I just, the angle I pulled into the parking spot, I just lightly kind of grazed the pillar against the side of my mom's van. But the problem is once you've done that backing up, you're only like scraping against it again. Do you know what I mean? And I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't orient the car. I couldn't like figure out the right wheel angle to, to keep me from just 
repeating the same. So I, and that kind of thing, I did that kind of thing this summer in a parked car here in Trader Joe's. And then also this summer, this is like confession time. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I'm terrible. And it's funny because I think I'm a really good driver in all the ways you said, like I'm, I'm a really aware driver. I'm a really safe driver. It's just, I don't have a good sense of how big my car is. Sarah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I didn't even yeah. think I wouldn't even think of that, but like I can't even tell you. So my I have a brand new car. It's like a month and a half old and I already broke the passenger side mirror yeah. because I got too close to the garage wall. Yeah. Um I constantly I don't I'm not as bad now that I'm driving a smaller car, but when I had the Yukon I constantly hit curves. Yes. Constantly. Oh, yeah. Like I, a, I would be going around a corner and hit a curve. I hit a curve in my driving <laughs> test, Megan, and I still passed. That was the only <laughs> thing I did wrong was hit the curb going or like, the parking lot. <laughs> If you're, if you're like going through a toll and you go to pay, I always get too yeah. close and end up hitting the wheel and yep. against the, the thing. Like all, I'm terrible at parking. Like I off now I'm very conscientious cause I know how bad I am at parking. So I will sit there <laughs> sometimes for like five minutes and perfect the park so that I'm not that obnoxious person who's like, makes it so no one else can get in and out of their car. But you know what I mean? I hit someone's, I hit someone else's car who was parked. It was street parking. It wasn't even really parallel parking cause the, uh, the spots were huge. And I just ran into their car. I don't even know how I did it. Like, I just, I don't know. We, we are. <laughs> I misjudged how far they were for yeah. me and I just hit them. We're, we're kindred spirits. Actually, parallel parking yeah. is the least of my worries. I Living in Chicago those years I did in my 20s and having a, a you know, park on the street all the time, I got really good at parallel parking. And I think it's because it's kind of the same motion every it's, there's time a formula. and I just learned it really yes. well. Whereas the other, but the yeah. other one I was going to confess was other, also this summer, like uh, days after I scraped the car in the Trader Joe's parking lot, I, um, was going into a right turn lane and the car in the regular straight lane next to me was this big wide landscaping truck. So his mirrors were those like industrial size side mirrors. And so there was yeah. plenty yep. of room for my car in the lane. Cause his car wasn't that close to me, but his mirror stuck out so far that my mirror you know, and I, I didn't even think it was going to be close. I just went right in at the a normal appropriate slowing down speed to come to an intersection. But I wasn't like, I wasn't inching by because I didn't even think it would be close. And I totally like clapped our mirrors, right? I had to pull over. He was very yeah. nice about that one. But yeah, so that's where I'm terrible. But I, I'm, I have a very good I think, safe driving record otherwise. I, I think what it is, is like what you were saying about parallel parking. I'm similar. Like, it's a formula. It's always the same. You can kind of get good at judging whether your particular car is going to fit in a spot or yeah. not. The problem is in parking lots and things like that, it's all unpredictable. Like people are just parked all over yes. the place. And like sometimes there's a certain way you have to navigate through the parking lot. And there's all these like barriers and obstacles that come up that you're not expecting. Right. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. That's really <laughs> it's funny. Really funny. Well, I don't think I've so, ever been in the car with you driving. We've been in Ubers together. You've yeah, been in my car very briefly when you came to Arizona oh, for that right, conference, yeah. but I drove you like a mile. I'm not, yeah. And I wasn't terrified no. of you, I will say. Yeah. Um, so we're only two questions in each. I think we're both going to have to make a, an edit, like a decision here, an executive decision right. and cut one. Yes. Oh we, yeah. We can I've cut decided one. which one I'm going to cut. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm, so who's asking who now? You just asked me, right? Yep. So your turn. Okay. So that's my turn. Okay. So tell me about um, your first, so we each have two left too, okay. right? Yep. That's good. Does that sound yep. okay? All right. So tell me about your first real job. Mm, okay. My first real job was in a restaurant called Tootie's, T-U-T-T-I, which oh. sounds vague. Like my okay. kids would giggle and think that was like a potty joke. Um, 
Tootie's was an Italian restaurant in Santa Barbara where I grew up and it was mom and pop owned. Just the mom and pop were this couple who were probably in their fifties, but they didn't have kids of their own. She was the chef and he was the manager and the host and everything else. Um, and it was, I would say it was like white tablecloth in the evening, but by no means like the fanciest place in town during the day, people would come in for lunch. And there was also kind of like a deli counter where if you, so you could sit down like a normal sit down restaurant, but then, um, it was Italian. So there was a lot of like, um, meats and cheeses and you could do deli type sandwiches and soups to go. So it was, you know, got busy at lunch and I could not wait tables at 17 because in California, any place that serves alcohol, you can't, I think you can walk it to the table when you're 18, but you can't pour until you're 21 or something. So they wouldn't even hire servers who were, um, under 21, but I worked the deli counter, which also doubled as like the coffee bar. So I learned, you know, the espresso machine, I made lattes and, you know, gave mostly to go stuff. Yeah. Cause I was behind the counter. Um, and I, I've mentioned on this show, I worked in restaurants on and off for years. I really like working in restaurants. That one was funny because the guy who owned it was I mean, we could have been on like a reality show about restaurant management. He was, he was a jerk. Really. <laughs> I could use a stronger work, yeah. but I won't. He was a really big jerk. I was a really hard worker and I showed up on time and I did my job. So he kind of liked me, but he was really mean. He was mean to the bus boys. Um, I think he was racist to be honest. Um, he was very intimidating. So I kind of like, I learned how to be a really keep your head down in a restaurant business um, very early on when I was like 17. And that really helped me with later restaurant bosses because not to generalize, but some of them are sometimes like you gotta that. do that. Yeah. Um, now his wife yeah. was really cool. She was the chef. She loved the food. She loved the customers. And so she was also strict and she, um, I, I got the phrase, if you can lean, you can clean. So I learned, Oh that, yeah. You know, I learned how to work hard in a restaurant. I also learned how much fun it is to have restaurant coworkers. And that was something that followed me you know, for almost 10 years that I worked in restaurants at different times. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun, but I remember being very intimidated by that boss. And I also, um, went in really early. So they were open all day and yeah. I was doing that kind of coffee morning shift behind the coffee bar. So I had to be there at like, I want to say like five 30 and open up. So that was it. Well, How about you? Well, I also did a lot of restaurant work, um, but that was a little bit later. I guess if I'm not even sure if I would call this a real job, but it was a real job because I had, you know, it was, W-2, and I got a paycheck and all that. So I was 13, okay. and wow. I was a corn to tassler. So corn to tasseling is a thing that pe kids in the Midwest do oh my gosh. <laughs> who live in farming areas. And basically, you get bussed out. Like, I would, we would show up <laughs> to high school um, at, like, 6 in the morning, and then you get bussed to a cornfield. Oh, my gosh. And then I still don't really understand the science, the farm, the agro science behind this. But I think what it is is you remove the part of the corn that makes it I want to say male so that, and you do it like in every other row wow. so that not all the rows get pollinated. Something. I don't this know. This is like it's something like that. All very I foreign to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's This is such a regional thing that I talk about this and like everybody who grew up around me totally knows what I'm talking about, but you could get like even St. Joe because I'm, you know, yeah. I'm only half an hour from where I went to high school. Um, but St. Joseph is, even though it's a small town, it's more of like a little more cosmopolitan yeah. and it's not as, you know, it's just a totally different culture. Even people here have no idea what I'm talking about, but anybody who's been in one of those farm towns totally knows what I'm talking about. And most of them have detested can, corn. Can you still so hire, I, I want to hear you still people. hire 13 year olds today? 
with like a real W two for farm for farm work. I think you, you can. can. Okay, there that's the exception. That's like the only real job you can get yeah. at that age. Wow. So we thought it was great because we were making like. And I don't, I don't even know if it's real minimum wage. It's like whatever the fake minimum wage is that you can pay farm right. workers, but it's still better money than you could make babysitting or whatever um, at that age, generally speaking. So, um, yeah, so you show up and you get like dumped off in this cornfield and it was, and the people who were managing it were all of our teachers. Oh, so small. It could not be more small town. So you're hanging out with all the kids you go to school with. Your teachers are your bosses oh my for the most gosh. part, or like the teenagers who've done it every year since they were 13. Now they're like eight or 18 or 19 yeah. and this is their summer work. Yeah. And you walk the rows and you pull out, you know, you pull out these tassely things. And it's not like the tassels, like what you're thinking, like that's in, you know, the corn yeah. when you pull, yeah. Um, yeah. clean an ear off. It's different. But the thing is then sometimes, so when you start in the morning, you're wearing a poncho because the there's dew and it's soaking wet and you're freezing. Then by about high noon, you want to die because it's so hot. I feel like this is and you've got like your, all your water and stuff. <laughs> It is. And then sometimes they'd put you on a truck or like on a, not a truck, but like on a tractor and start like driving you up and down. So then you have to do it really fast because you have to keep up. And then, you know, my high school vice principal is walking the rows behind us going, hurry up. And he's like clapping at us like, hurry up, hurry up, pull faster. I mean, now that I look back, it's so ridiculous. Um, But it was one of those things, as they say, that builds character. And I did it for like, and then I go home at night, you know, you wouldn't get off the bus again to like six at night. So you put in like a 12 hour day and some of that was driving, yeah. but like a 12 hour, like 11 hour day. And I remember just getting home and like, all I wanted to do was just crawl into the bathtub yeah. because I was sore Dirty. and filthy and exhausted. And then I'd go to bed like two hours later and then get up the next morning and do it all over. So I think I lasted about three weeks. <laughs> I got, they got me through most of the high season. And I mean, it's, it, the season's short yeah. anyway. And you know, maybe, maybe a month. Yeah. But uh, I made it through a lot of it, but not the whole thing. And it, but it was kind of fun in a weird, like not very fun way. Like it's like kind of like torture, yeah. except fun. You've been through it. So I had yeah. no idea that you had done that. So my, um, this episode has already accomplished something. <laughs> if any of you have heard of corn to tasseling or if any of your kids corn to tassel, please email yes. us. I want to hear yeah, about let it. Let us know. I, I want to feel like people know what I'm talking about. That is hilarious. So. Okay. Um, my turn, right? <laughs> your turn. This is kind of a short one. Um, No, I'm going to do the other one. Okay. Um, So I'm moving into motherhood and new motherhood now. So tell me one thing you miss about having kids in the zero to five, but I'm really thinking like say zero to three range and one thing you do Mm. not miss. Um, One thing I miss about having little, little, what I really miss is like, like squishy snuggles. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that, that how little children are so tactile mm-hmm. like they they're sitting on you and they're just like firm but like chubby and <laughs> flubby <laughs> and like they're squished they're just like a bunch of squish yeah. and that's a little different when they're you know a newborn as compared to three-year-olds but there's nothing like a like even a three-year-old like throwing their like chubby little arms around your yeah. neck and giving you a big squeeze and I just remember like feeling like I could just touch my kids all mm-hmm. the time um and and be touched by them mm-hmm. all the time and I do miss that but I also don't miss that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I that's I like having a little distance now for my kids as they're older. And I'm still very I'm a physically affectionate mom, but it's like on everyone's terms, it's not so in my face. Right. Um but if I had to say the one thing I really, really don't miss, it's probably not sleeping. Yeah. I don't I don't really think there could be anything else that I could and in the noise, I mean, I, I was just at um my sister in law's house. She's got uh three year old and six week uh, six month old twins. Ugh. 
And I remember sitting there on the couch thinking, this is what it's, this is how noisy it is when you have kids. Like there was just constantly like noise. Yeah. Like a background hum of like someone babbling and someone else kind of whining. And and I thought this used to be my life. I don't really remember being annoyed by it then. Yeah. But I don't miss it now. Yeah. You know, I like that it's quiet. Yeah. Well, yeah. we yeah, we what like lose our tolerance for certain things, even if it's what we yes. even we, if it's what we I've all we my, knew. Um what I've lost my tolerance for noise and chaos, really. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. What what I miss, and I'm less far removed since my youngest is still three for a few more weeks. She's almost four. Um, but probably what I miss is like the baby on your hip. Like there's now yes. I really don't miss it because when you always have a baby on your hip, we know life is hard. So moms who have babies on your right. hip all the time, we're totally admitting that we're just seeing through nostalgic rose colored glasses. But there's an yeah. age where they will sit on your hip and my, my kids were early sitters. So I want to say six months or especially by eight or nine months where they're not floppy at all anymore. They're real upright and they like to see the world and, but they're yes. not heavy like a toddler yet. 
So like call it eight or nine months and they're just like round, but they're starting to point at things and babble. And like, you can, I just remember, or like sitting in a grocery cart. So same age, like I'm thinking of like the baby age where they can sit in a grocery cart or sit on your hip, but they know enough to point and wave and make the old people smile in the grocery store. And there it's like this like portable, like portable, cute thing. It's like playing house. It is like playing. It's like the babies that you carried around when you were a kid is something about that age. And, you know, usually by eight or nine months, like everybody's adjusted, you're sleeping a little bit better, but they're still very much a baby, you know, like they're, they're drooly and they're nursing and they're, so there's something about that, like plop them on your hip age, but before toddlers that is just whenever, you know, whenever I'm around somebody with a baby that age, I just want to like put them on my hip and walk around. Cause that was did, my life. Uh, yeah. Did, didn't I like write yeah. a whole blog post about yeah. that? I remember mourning that when like, I realized Clara was kind of out of that baby on the hip yeah. age range. I remember thinking like, Oh yeah, like I really miss yeah. that. So yeah, totally. That's a really good one. And then I don't miss, oh. I, I don't, there's so much that I don't miss. Um, there's so much that yeah. I can't <laughs> wait for it to go away. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, sleep, I mean, sleep oh, would be, I get sleep would be probably Number one. And just in inter- like now I, I don't when we have a sleep disruption now, I just know it's because someone's sick or it's just or we're traveling. Right. I just know it's going to end. Then and it's going to go like, away. Like our, yeah. yeah. Sleep never ended for me for years. So, yeah, I don't miss yeah. that. It was just your life. Yeah. All right. Well, my turn. This is my last okay. question for you. OK. Now we all and when you answer this, like kind of just give a little sum up of what your life looks like sure. now. But if you could envision a completely different kind of life for yourself, um, with kids or without, honestly, you can answer either way. So, you know, you live in a suburban area in California, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like you've got this lifestyle, right? right? If you could envision something completely different, that would be like something you feel like you could step into and be comfortable or think that was appealing or whatever, even if it's just as a fantasy, Mm -hmm. what would it be? Um, living in New York city. So, okay. Or, or, or a surrounding borough if I must. Um, I love big cities and have kind of like, I have a romanticized vision of what it would be like to live in one. Um, and Mm -hmm. even with kids, um, and of course like social media and blogging gives us a glimpse into that because there are a lot of city bloggers and, um, I would love to live in an apartment in a big city, you know, a big, big city, like in a very, big part of a big city where you walk everywhere and hail cabs and your kids, you know, grow up in a very urban life. I don't think, yeah. And that's, that's the simple answer. There's a lot of practical barriers to that. And I'm not sure that's what I would even choose, but if we're talking about complete fantasy of living a very different lifestyle, um, especially if money were no object, because that's also (laughs) a big city. Do you think it's something, do you think it's something that could be like in your retirement yeah, definitely future mm-hmm. yeah I would love that or yeah. like a half of the year situation to have a city where yeah. there's an apartment or an apartment share or somewhere something about just you know and I got my taste of city living in Chicago for a few years but I lived in a neighborhood Chicago's quieter you know Chicago it's um yeah. it but it, it's closer closer to city living and something about you know even we've talked about this I even feel like on the podcast and we've talked about children's literature like the fascination of um, other places when you're reading about, you know, other kids growing up. And for me, it was always the ones who like took the elevator down and, you know, like it was city, it was city living and a tree grows in Brooklyn. And even you can follow that thread all through like the books and the movies and the, you know, magazines that I loved is, is a true fascination with very urban living. 
wouldn't have to be New yeah. York, but New York is like probably the fantasy. Is your first yeah. choice. So I have the exact same answer. The oh. funny thing is like I have flip-flopped in my life um, many, many times between the two extremes, like big city living, like living in a high rise or a brownstone or something in a bustling um, city neighborhood where I can walk to everything. Yeah. And then like this sort of um, like soul mama lifestyle yeah. where, <laughs> you know, you've got like goats and um, pastoral scenes and you make your own stuff and all that. And that still really does appeal to me. But when I look at the two, the one that actually is a more of a fit for me that I could actually do yeah. is city yeah. living. I couldn't do farm living. I mean, I it'd be fun for a week. But I don't think as a lifestyle, that's for me. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things about that that don't jive with my personality. Uh, but yeah, I, and I do think it'll be, that will be me at some point. I mean, it'd be more likely for me to be to Chicago, honestly, just because it's close and I have a feeling some of my kids will end up there. And, you know, you still can have that very city experience in Chicago if you pick the right neighborhood. Right. Um, so that's more likely. But I, I, do, I do see that in my future for sure. And it's kind of funny how able I am to flip flop between the two and be like, oh, yeah. And I feel I'm like to live off the land. Yeah. And- no, I, yeah, there's there's <laughs> romance in both, especially if you've been kind of somewhere right. in the middle, either like a mid sized town or suburbia. Right. Um, and the good news is like there's possibilities to make things like, you know, maybe not forever, but maybe for a year. Yeah, it's fun. To, yeah, fun exactly. To think about. Yeah. OK, well, I'm totally switching up my last question because the question I was going to do was so similar and it was going to be oh, about right. vacation, though. It was just going to be if you could okay. have any vacation, would it be beach or city? But I'm you oh. can answer in one word. But I'm going to actually okay. ask a different question. Yeah. What's your one word answer? Yeah, do that because I have a really hard time with questions okay. where I have to pick one okay. thing. So <laughs> um, it was going to be really similar. And I was going to talk about, yeah, cities. And OK, so instead, I'm turning to the present and actually to the present of podcasting. And I just want you to know what has surprised you most about podcasting. So for those who don't know, you've been podcasting a few years and then turned to podcasting yeah. almost exclusively um, for your, you know, work and communications for the last couple of years. So what has surprised you most about podcasting? I think what surprised me the most is how willing people are to connect with us, um, in a very personal way, even though you would think that people are listening to podcasts at a time that they're not sitting in front of a computer or they're not, you know, really able to sit down because they're busy driving or working out or in the kitchen or whatever. Um, And I've been so surprised by how many people have taken the time to sit down later at a computer and fire off an email Mm -hmm. or leave us a comment. That constantly, that surprises me every single day. Yeah, because (laughs) Uh, you're so right. When you're reading a blog, you're already there on the medium itself. And so to to leave a Facebook or a blog comment is not, it's not, it's just an extension of the conversation. But you're so right Right. that with podcasting, it requires a very, pretty big shift and extra work. Yeah. And it just, it surprises and delights me. And thank you to everyone who does that um, and who has reached out to us. And I just feel like, you know, every day there's like little surprises in our email, Yeah, you know, like a little boost and it mis- makes me very happy, but it does surprise me. I didn't expect people to engage with us in such a direct personal when way. You were, really when you were it. consuming more podcasts or kind of thinking about podcasting, like say five years ago, were, did you get the sense that that's how it was? Were you like, did you ever feel the urge to sit down and write an email to a podcaster that you listened to? Or did it, did it seem like that wasn't the way I, it was going? I have to say no, but I don't remember the podcasters that I was listening to really asking yeah. us to. Um, there's a few that, I mean, that I still listen to who do that more regularly. And I think there was sometimes a little bit of, um, a little bit of like star, like I was a little starstruck mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't sure how to do that. Like, 
And I, I think I probably did two or three times when I was specifically asked, like, please send me an email. Yeah. I'd be like, what? I can do yeah. that. And then I would. Um, but it, it, I don't know that everyone is as, and I'm not criticizing. I think pe- some people probably have such huge, huge audiences that if they asked, they would regret it. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I don't know that everyone is as like, please, please write us as we are. We, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of beg for it, but I, I really appreciate that actually people do it when we say yeah. we want them to. Yeah. So, no, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. I think what has surprised me most about it is how much I like it, honestly. I mean, being like in the writing and putting words out in a very different way, I did not know how much I would like the talky, the talky format. You know what I mean? And the, un, and the unedited, the un, you know, the unscripted yes, we, part yeah, of it. That, that, that was hard for me to wrap my brain around too, even though I'm not, you know, as, um, the word rigid popped into my head. And that's I'm, terrible. You're not rigid, am, but you know what I'm I mean? Rigid. Like you like things. I like structure. <laughs> <laughs> you like to know what's coming. Yeah. Like you like to have, and I don't, I'm not really like that. But it was very hard for me as a blogger to let go and to just let something be as it was and the way I wrote it and just for a thought to just come out, I would want to go back and tweak it and make sure I explained it, you know, the best possible way. And now it's like we're just talking. Yeah. It's really kind of liberating. It is completely. Yeah, it's completely liberating. And that, yeah, that the biggest surprise for me is um, there's a lot of surprises, but one of them is that how much I like it just because it wouldn't have been, you know, something I would have thought, well, that's perfect for you, Sarah. Um, right. So, Sarah, you know, you should be a podcast. You should be a podcast. Well, that's a great place to end, isn't it? It's a great place because to we end. just spent the last three minutes talking about how much we like it when people, um, send us email. I know. <laughs> well, I would love to so hear send us an email, would you? what the heck they think about all these crazy things we've revealed about ourselves. I think, I think I'm going to listen know. back to this, this really episode fun. and just laugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, if anyone's heard, Hey, if seriously, if you know about corn detasseling, please send me an email. I want to hear from you. Hello at the mom hour.com. <laughs> I want my corn detasseling sisters out there. I bet you anything there are people. <laughs> to get in touch. And then there are people like me Absolutely. who have no idea hey. what you're talking about. The corn has to get detasseled somehow. It, it doesn't, it doesn't do it itself. It doesn't so. detassel itself. Um, nope. Okay, so we will be back with you guys next week. Um, I wanted to mention real quick that we um, have our bonus interviews starting back up. So last week you should have in your feed an interview with Donia Bumgarner. If you haven't listened to that, go do it. It's great for the start of the year. She's so smart and fun to listen to. And I had a great conversation with her and then, um, Megan will have an interview coming up in February. So once a month we'll be hitting you with a bonus episode, um, with an interview and those are really fun. So if you haven't, uh, dipped your toes in the water to those yet, go ahead and listen to them. They're really great. That's all I got. All right. Great. Thanks everyone. See you next week. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%.
Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour.